but you guys have been getting into some birds, huh? Yeah, we've been trying to. We got to do some traveling every now and then to get them because we don't have a whole lot here at home. But I always take a big trip before or around Christmas. So we, we ended up uh, to South Dakota before the week before Christmas, and I was able to get my dad in on it. And that's really like got a, into some birds. That's a pilgrimage, isn't it, for you bird guys? South Dakota is like the holy land. It seems like. Yeah, for pheasant, it's kind of like the mecca. There's a lot of people that go up there and. I mean, rightfully so, because there's a pile of birds. And we always go late season. I've never been during the early season just because I am a – I try to be the best outdoorsman I can be. So early season for pheasant hunting is primetime deer hunting for deer me. Deer season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, having my dad up there on that trip was, was awesome. He's, that... like, he's a crack shot, so I always had him breathing down the back of my neck knowing I need to get a shot off quick. <laughs> yeah, that's a trip for you too because you're out of Oklahoma, right? Yeah, we're in southeast Oklahoma, so it's like, I think it took about 18 hours to get up there, and this is his first ever trip, and we was heading up, it was 70 degrees when we left Oklahoma, we went through Nebraska, got caught in a tornado, got north Jeez. of it, uh, hit some 80 mile an hour winds, went through a blizzard once we got, once we got into South Dakota, and like, it was some crazy weather, the dang weather drop the temperature dropped like 50 degrees in just a few hours and it was it That's was wild nuts. how do the dogs yeah. do like with that big of a transition you know they loved it i was kind of worried about them a little bit but i have wire hairs so this warm weather we have in oklahoma is kind of hard on them anyway right but they just they kind of come into their own during that cold weather and they it's a lot easier on them anyway getting all that snow to kind of regulate their body temperature i think oh bet yeah, South Dakota, I've driven through it a bunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, and we'll stop. Like, there's one stop. You got to go to Waldrug. That's it. Did you guys make yeah. it there? No, we didn't. No. Oh, next trip, go. Yeah, I hadn't even heard about it. So, next oh, time we'll have to do that. Man, yeah, it's like <laughs> the biggest tourist trap, crap store. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I remember going through as a kid with my dad. We'd always travel back east, and it was like this magical place for a kid. You know, they had all these, mm -hmm. like, working i don't even know what you call them but like little city scenes and you know animated puppets and you know six foot tall jackrabbit statues <laughs> stupid stuff but i took yeah. my wife and we went to uh wisconsin for the heartland classic and we drove through i'm like oh honey we gotta stop here you'll never believe it well when you see it at 30 versus six it's still pretty cool but it's way different man yeah yeah but well i guess i should introduce you real quick <laughs> now that we already got wrapped up and we'll finish this hunting story but <laughs> we've got branson shelton with us and branson what is the name of your kennel three rivers outdoors three rivers outdoors out of oklahoma mm -hmm. small town oklahoma very small i think we have like uh three stop signs coming into town uh, no lights no lights population of about 500 that's awesome during uh during deer season the whole town shuts down uh, you don't see anybody like the uh a lot of people look up to athletes or like, sports icons where well here in my part of the world the, the hunter and the outdoorsman is the icon so that's awesome I've, i always think that it's just a, a neat little uh area to grow up i think especially if you're into this stuff oh it's cool to see like small town I don't know. There's something about it. Like when I went to Montana with my dad elk hunting one year, we went outside of uh, outside of Annis, Montana, which apparently is like world class fly fishing or was. I think they just had a really bad accident with the dam where they let a bunch of water out and they ended up losing a bunch of the fishery over it. But, oh, yeah, you know, we get in there and it's not as small as like you're talking, but pretty small town, Montana. Mm -hmm. And we get there before season and you see these signs up for the wild game feed and that whole town shuts down the day before opening season and they do a big wild game cook off and like oh, open cool. container laws are non-existent you know you can walk from bar to restaurant to wherever <laughs> you want to go through town and like they actually value the sportsman because it brings so much yeah. revenue to the area and and they appreciate it and it was really cool i guess that was the first experience i had where it wasn't like, okay, yeah, we're going to hunt somewhere, but you're going somewhere to hunt. And mm -hmm. they were like, there's value to sportsmen. And it was just yes. mind-blowing to me the first time to see that. It kind of changed my perspective. 
because we all know how much money we dump in. But yeah. to see that somebody else realizes that it was pretty neat. Oh yeah, uh, they really like places like that. They really like seeing people come in from all over the world to, to experience that type of environment too. Yeah, oh, it just, I feel like it's appreciated differently. So what what is the draw? I mean, is it just the opportunity? Or is it just this iconic South Dakota is the thing to do? Like for a big game hunter, I think like going to hunt Montana elk or going mm-hmm. to hunt, you know, antelope in Wyoming or doing, there's certain things that you just check off your list kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how South Dakota is for the bird guys? A little bit. I mean, and also like to me, it's just, you're going to get into so many birds. Now, that's probably the reason of it. And also like in some places in South Dakota, it's, it's kind of like that town in Montana you're talking about. They they love seeing these people come in. They love talking to you. Like everybody's out there wearing blaze orange and their yeah. uh, all their open gear. They've all got dog boxes, you know. So it's all it just feels like appreciated, right? So when you say a lot of birds, I mean, I guess because I'm ignorant when it comes to bird hunting. Yeah. I, I've owned a couple, never mm-hmm. worked them, you know, when I was younger. But like. On a normal hunt, how many birds would you say you usually see at home? Like, what's an average day if you were going to go out training or go out hunting? So, uh, at where I'm at, we don't have pheasant or anything. So it's all bob white quail, which oh. that's my that's my bird of choice anyway. Yeah. But if if I'm going to hunt here at home, I would say, like on a good day, I'm going to put up three coveys of about on an average ten to twenty birds. Twenty being the maximum, really. Sure. So about about twelve or so. Uh, I might put up two or three coveys. You know, it. We're really our bird numbers are struggling. They're coming back. I can. Uh, I'm up there enough. I have scouted. I, I can always get into birds. But uh, you go to South Dakota, for example. My last year was probably one of the best. No, two years ago was one of my best years I ever went. And I keep track of every bird I put up, hens, roosters, and everything. I have a little counter that for my That's trip. I, every time man. I, yeah. Just I try to take detailed notes as I can so I can be better the next time I come up. But uh, just myself and my dog, we put up 372 birds in five days. Holy smokes. It it was wild. So a point, you know, that's times like he'd be on point and there'd be like six, you know, or sometimes even more than that and some thickets getting up. And, you know, coming a guy like myself coming from this quail country where you put up a, a dozen little bitty quail you put up a dozen pheasant, man. Like it, that's a big deal. <laughs> it's yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. There, there's some big birds. That is wild, man. That's yeah. an un. I had no idea. I mean, yeah. like I knew there were lots of birds, or all you guys wouldn't be going there. But holy cow! Yeah, and that's a part of it during the late season. Like, I definitely don't want to promote late season too much because I, I like having it to myself. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is cold up there. Uh, but the birds kind of. They cover the pheasants cover up together, and they get into thickets. All the crops are gone, right? Uh, so they've all just kind of congregate together, you know, huddle up, keep warm, and, and so you're able to kick a bush, and a, a pile of them just get have up a heart attack. Just oh yeah, <laughs> be right there in your face too. They hold really good, you know. Pheasants they run a lot, kind of they can give a pointing dog some trouble, but late late season, to me, it's where it's at. You think later season? versus early season that's when they start coming up like you get a lot more singles early season then i, th- I think so like um to me and you know this i'm not no professional or anything don't, don't do it all the time <laughs> but to me early season is more for what you'll see the party hunts you'll see a bunch of guys up there hunting and using blockers and you know just walking in a big line through a field where you know all the, the birds are just running from them you got to use a flushing dog Mm-hmm. to get them up and late season they just they hold a little bit better there's all there's typically always snow on the ground like i said there's no crops so they're going to be in thickets like cattail sloughs sure uh so i mean it's it's hard walking for the hunter right so, but you're but it's a lot easier to be out there working behind a, a pointing dog and kind of letting him do his thing and uh, to me it's, you just get better dog work and you can see those epic flushes like that too. That's wild. Yeah, I would have never imagined. I always pictured them, you know, singles or doubles or like super small groups. Yeah, and but I mean that later season they're smart. They've all been educated a lot, so they're getting up pretty wild at times. So you just never really know what you're getting into. So when you say pheasant likes to get on their feet, I mean, are they a bird that likes to get up and kind of just skip out in front of people? Yeah, I think their first, um, uh, their first 
move to get away from people is on the ground. They know if they, if they fly, they're probably going to get shot at. Yeah. So definitely run them. Man, I can't believe it. I had no idea it was that many birds. <laughs> yeah, it, it, can, it can be good. This year, it wasn't as good in years past, but we was definitely able to get on a lot of birds. So are you rotating dogs then multiple times a day or one dog a day? Yeah, I try to. I have three uh, and one. But hold I, on. I'm going to slow you down. You got three. Let's introduce yeah. the dogs real quick. Okay. Uh, I got their, I have one male German wire hair pointer. His name is Dietz. He's almost solid black. He's got a white patch, uh, white hair he's patch on his chest. He's super dark. Yeah, he's really dark. If, uh, you know, I'm a big Lonesome Dove fan. So Dietz, he was a, a scout by profession for Augustus McCray and Captain Call. So my dog there, he's he's my scout. He's there a veteran. I have a, a Dutch drawtar. Uh, her name is Lori. Uh, this is her second year. Then I have another female German wire hair pointer, and I got her off of rescue. And uh, her name is Willow. Hmm. Yeah, I got man. I, they always tickle me to death. I love watching them. But uh, to get back on your question, like I do try to rotate them out because uh, hunting them several days together, which you know, uh, having hound dogs and hunting, you know cats or anything. Uh, it's it's hard on them just going you know yeah. consecutive days after consecutive day, so I do rotate them out. But man, it's so nice running a pair together and watching them honor and work together. Like that to me, that is the the ultimate bird dog is and the ultimate style is having one honor each other. Yeah, that's it, a different awesome. ball game too. You know, because yeah. I've I've watched. Like I said, I'm not a bird hunter, but it intrigues me. And, you know, watching it, you see single dogs work, but I love the videos where you've got shoot two, three, four, even five dogs. And they're all just standing there ironclad, just honoring dogs. And I think, man, we look at honoring a different way as a hound, you know, like to Mm -hmm. me, I want my dogs to honor. If a dog's barking and a dog has lost the trail, it should know well enough to honor to get to that and keep pushing. Right, and right. you know you know watch exactly all these about. bird dogs man and they're just all of a sudden boom everybody just freezes and it's yep. like, you know they don't i don't know did they all smell that bird they can't right nope it's it's uh, it's an honor thing like they can't smell that bird but that other dog is honoring that other one's point i mean there's been times where i've been working of down into a, a hillside in the holler and a dog goes on point right here in front of me so i'm looking around trying to figure out where this bird's going to be. And I look across the draw. Well, she's not on point. Like she's actually honoring a dog that's on point 200 yards away from her. It's all just visual. She sees that dog stop. Yeah. It's a hundred percent visual. And it can be a lot of times to me, it's a, I don't know. They just have it natural. They have a natural honor, but it's, it can be trained also. Really? Yeah. So it's something, I mean, would you say it's more percentage natural and you just hone that ability? Like, does a dog yeah. either have it or it hasn't as far as honoring, and you can figure that out pretty quick? No, um, you can figure it out. But so, like, last year, for example, my little girl, my Drothar, Lori, was at natural honor. I've not had to do anything to her. She's always honoring my older dog, Dates, but he would never honor her. Mm-hmm. I, 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 so I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I, I'm going to have to train it into him. No big deal. I, it can be done. But then... I keep hunting them together, keep hunting them together. And then it's kind of like, um, he didn't trust her. He knew that oh, she yeah. was young. She was a, she was a pup. So this year, I mean, it was compl- 180. Like he was honoring her. So he he knew that she's proving she herself. Just, yeah. She wasn't just some rookie out there pointing nothing, you know, he knows what she's doing <laughs> now. So it's pretty neat figuring it out. So it, it kind of come out to be natural for them. But if you do have one that come from uh, some natural honor line is, that's ideal to me the more natural ability the better yeah it seems like you know when it comes to honoring with hounds too you get them old dogs that know better they're like "Ah, no no you've already screwed around i've seen you smell deer i've seen you do this i'm not trusting you and then it's like one day all of a sudden it it changes yeah so i grew up with hound dogs i've only gotten into bird dogs for about um about five years ago. Oh, really? Uh, uh-huh. So we grew up, my grandpa was, see, he started out when I was a kid. 
he was actually a big time bird dog trainer with English pointers. That was before my time. But then he kind of transitioned into coon dogs and he had blue tick coon hounds and man, he, he went all over the country going to those trials. Oh yeah. And then he, then he got into beagles and stuff and running rabbits and deer and whatever. And so growing up, I always had a hound dog, whether it be running walker, tree and walker or a beagle. And it was always neat. I had one dog, uh, started getting a little bit older, but man, he run true to track. And whenever they crossed the road, some of these other dogs would be way out in front of him, but they'd get to the road and lose it, you know, looking, looking. Well, that dog, my dog's name was Pounder, and he was just, I mean, steady. Just, you sure. just come out there, hit the road, never miss a beat, keep them, all them other dogs would honor him, come to that track, and the race was back then on. Then it's back on. Yep. Man, I, I love that. That was really cool. Yeah, that's a special kind of dog, too. You know, yeah. road crossings or, you know, tough loses, anything like that. It seems like mm-hmm. it just takes that experience. You know, the, the fastest dog doesn't regulate your track speed. You know, yeah. track speed is as fast as you can run it and sending conditions allow and hold on to it. So having a dog like that is gold, you know? Yep. Yep. Well, man, you've kind of been all around the dog world then. What, yeah. what made you lean this way versus hounds? Well, you're smarter I, than me. <laughs> no, I'm definitely, I'm still trying to get into hounds. I'm on the search for a coon dog right now, but, uh, I don't know. I just started seeing more and more birds. Like I said, once when I was a kid, our bird numbers dipped down so low that we all mm-hmm. you know, kind of, everyone just transitioned away from bird hunters. That's been a uh, long trend where you're at as yeah, the, the yeah. decline. I mean, I've heard lots of podcasts about it and yeah, just hearing it, the decline of the birds in your area. It's been you know, people have just flat gotten out of it because the opportunity yeah. is so low. Uh, it, it's definitely real. I mean, from the way my grandpa talked to my dad, they only coon hunted and deer hunted in the times that they wasn't going to be able to bird hunt. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, but what got me into it, I started seeing more and more quail. And then just a, oh, just a bird dog is a good dog that you can have to hunt with and also be in the house and be real laid back. For sure. So <clears throat> I got, I got one started and just, Man, that's that's the beginning of the story. There, it's kind of blew up, and I fell in love with it. And like I said, I I like I like working with dogs, and I like to be able to use them as much as I can. So, and that's why I'm I'm trying to get into coon hunting. I have a uh, some family members that are still big into the coon world. They've got some state champion dogs in Oklahoma and Arkansas. Oh, man. Yeah, they they're big into the trials. Why are you still looking? Tell them if they want on the Christmas card <laughs> list next year to step well, up. I, I, I did that, and it just didn't work out. They had too many committed to other people all over the place. So, but I, I will be getting dogs. me one. Yeah, uh, I will be getting me one. Like I said, I, I'm eager to get back into that, especially knowing my my family's tradition into it. It no means kidding. a little bit more to me. Do you think that that's going to help your populations in the long term? <clears throat> like, are, are coons a big issue on your guys's uh, like nesting grounds and things like that? I really think so. I really do because I'm seeing I'm seeing more coons this year than I yeah. ever have, and I want to be able to do my part to help, you know, help out the quail population, the turkey. Win win. Yeah, it is. The, the turkeys suffer the same um, predation they're, as quail do. They're probably really susceptible. Yeah, and you know, seeing you know turkeys, like I said, turkeys are hurting, but their population right really bad right now. So to me. If I can get a coon dog and just do my part, get a few coons when I can, and you know I'm trying to, I'm learning how to trap, you know, to catch coyotes and coons and you know bobcats or whatever. Right. It just, I don't know. I'm trying to be the best outdoorsman that I can possibly be and learn from it and just be effective and efficient in it. That's awesome, man. Because it's so multi-dimensional and everything's connected. I mean, we all yeah. know that as sportsmen, but mm-hmm. that's really cool to be able to you know, have hands on in all of it. Right. Especially, yep. you know, getting into coon dog and now you can hunt day and night. You're never going to yep. sleep. Yeah. I was talking to my cousin about it and I, uh, he's inviting me out on some hunts and I like, shoot. Yeah. You know, I want to go, uh, as well said, I might not go every night, but I don't go two nights in a row without going. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. Consistent. Yeah, he's ate up with it. And you know, and we have bear down here, so I'm buying my first bear tag this year. So it's I'm stretched pretty thin, but I Dang, love it. Man. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to change it. But it all goes back to the dogs. 
It to me it does. Yeah, that's where it's at. And you it? you use your dogs for more than just bird hunting too. You were saying mm-hmm. you use them for blood trailing, right? Yeah. So man. they're more of a utilitarian dog than than just a, a pointing dog. My main two are. I mean, we do it all with them. Um, I shed hunt. I'll be. I can't wait to be seeing the bucks running around without horns because I can't wait to get my dogs out there to start finding some sheds. And people call me up to come blood trail their deer. Uh, I really enjoy that. Like just. Oh, that my, my one of my favorite quotes to, to talk about uh, was about, from my grandpa before he passed away. I was telling him about all the the dogs and what what they're doing and how proud I was of them. And he said, "You know, said I, I love to hunt. Said, but I, if I couldn't hunt with the dog, I wouldn't even go. So, yeah. Man, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, it's that's a different group of people for sure." Because mm-hmm. there, I know a lot of people that are houndsmen. That that is what they do. They don't do anything else. They don't yep. deer hunt. They don't elk hunt. They don't do anything unless it's with a dog, and they right. just don't That's see the was. point in it. Yeah, it's definitely it's different. I mean, because whenever whatever you're after, whether it be a, a bear or a rabbit, bird, you know, mountain lion, the end goal is getting that dog or if it's a tree and dog to get one on tree if it's a point dog you know to get a shot over a, a point winging shot coon dog a tree you know or a blood dog trailing that mm-hmm. blood trail and finding a big buck or doe or whatever you just we i feel like we appreciate all the work that goes into it because there's yeah. just a big culmination of things leading up to that point well yeah the end result is such a yeah. small fraction you know, it's yeah. the lasting impression it leaves on people on the outside, but for those of us on the inside, that's like awesome. You know, that's oh, yeah. that's the end. But in the meantime, everything that's happened to get to yeah. that point is what what the big deal is for us. Yeah. So, like on the my trip to South Dakota, we the very first bird we got down, my dad got it. Uh, we're working this field, and I look up get alert off my Garmin that both dogs were on point. I look, you know, Deets is on point. Lori's honoring him. We get up there. My dad, every flush the bird, dad smoked it long shot. And I was like, man, like that, that is where it's at. Like we Absolutely. could kill no other bird this trip. And it's that worth made it. it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh something we don't talk about a whole lot. You know, I've talked with my buddies about it, but it's different when it's like your dad Oh, I'm yeah. assuming, you, you know, your dad played a huge role in you being where you're at. And the oh, same yeah. with me, you know, and it's like when you can get out there with them and you see their success still and you can yeah. be part of it and contribute in some way, man, that may, it's a whole different level, I think. Yep, man. It, and it, it really is. You hit the nail on the head on that because I've been begging that old part to come out there with me. And that sucker, he taught me how to shoot, and he is a crack shot. So I was definitely rushing every single time. You know, it wasn't <laughs> no cakewalk for me to even get a bird. But yeah, it definitely it means a lot. I, I could be, I could have been done and went home after that, and been, I mean, just proud. Yeah, we ended up in the moment. I look back, I was a real kind of a jerk about it because we were we were hunting that Montana. We were hunting out of the gravelly range, and. uh We'd hunt it all day, but, you know, it was one of those things where you could park a truck at the top, leave one at the bottom, and you could hunt literally all day, and then mm-hmm. just catch a ride back. We came around this brush pile, and we were just beating through the snow, and come around this brush pile, Dad takes a right, I take a left, and I just hear, boom, what the heck just happened? <laughs> you know, like, I couldn't see anything. I come around the corner, and here's this massive four-by-four four muley, you know, just Aww. monster buck, Yeah, and I'm like... In the moment, I'm like, crap. You know, I miffed it. Like, I we're what seven days into a ten day hunt or something. It was, you know, we were we were meat hungry. We'll put it that way. And the yeah. fact that it was a monster buck, I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> he says, kid, go take a picture with it. And I said, I'm not taking a picture with your buck. That ain't yep. right. Like, I just I don't believe in that kind of stuff. And yeah, but looking back, you know, that was one of the moments he was the most proud. Because mm-hmm. he, he's always hunted blacktails, you know, Roosevelt elk, uh, you know, and he's killed some nice animals over the years. And I mean, that's how our family ate. I look forward mm-hmm. to hunting season every year because even if I'm a bad shot, my dad's not. So he usually sends <laughs> home a bunch. But, you know, as I'm, I said, I'm dragging this out for you. Like that was my mission. That was my yeah. one contribution I could do. You know, I had flown in for the hunt. 
he had drove over. They had everything set up. So I felt like, I don't know, some TV show. I was coming yeah. in there and going hunting. I'm like, I'm going to drag this <laughs> out for you. And that the drag down made a complete attitude change from being miffed about not getting an opportunity to realizing that this is what it's all about. And yep. this is generational continuance. And this is what's going to keep hunters alive. Yeah. So it's, it is, it's a whole new element. And every time I get to go with my dad now, it's, it's just different. You know, it's cool mm-hmm. to hear people talk about that because I mean, heck man, who knows how long they're going to be here. You never know. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm doing the same thing with my son too, getting him in, in part of it, you know, early on and letting him be yeah. a part of every drag out, you know, all the, all the work leading up to it, you know, you know, whitetail hunting in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still yet to go on a big bird hunting trip with me. How old is uh, he? He is seven. So ours are, my oldest is about the same age. He just turned yeah. six. Yeah. And he's the same way, you know, they want to be involved. He got a trail oh, camera yeah. for, for his birthday. He oh, was pretty cool. pumped about that. Yeah. But like our last uh, bear, he, uh, his claim to fame is he'll tell everybody, yeah, dad killed a bear and I carried the heart, you know, he packed the heart <laughs> off the mountain, you know? So you yeah. just try to, when you've been taught how to do it, you know, mm-hmm. your dad did a good job instilling those values and teaching you, you know, it makes it a lot easier to pass that on. Oh yeah. You know, my boy, he killed his first buck this year. Little Holy cow, man. So, uh, man, it, it was awesome. But, you know, I killed a few good bucks and one of them, he was able to come help me drag it out. And it was a real mature deer. It was a good one. And, uh, he tried to grab a hold of the horn and help me drag it out. And I said, buddy, I, said, I really need, I called my dad Hopper. I said, I really need Hopper's help on this one. You know, get yeah. it out. He's okay. And I, I get back to the truck and I look over there and he's kind of got tears in his eyes. Sulking. I said, well, I what what's wrong he's well i just really wanted to help you dad yeah <laughs> well, we still got to skin this thing you can help me do that there's lots so. to do yep you can always dad tip number yep. one just find something they yep. don't care if it's important or not just find yep. something for them to yep. do it's really to me it's neat and it means a lot because he's a help he helps me pre-season hanging cameras and stuff like that and he's a part of the hunt you know getting deer out and then at the at the end of it when we're processing all of our meat well we grind it all up uh, mm. i bet i made it all year last year without you know buying a single thing of hamburger meat and i probably bought one steak you know i, I live off of this stuff sure and we make a bunch of smoked sausage i mean he's he's a part of all of that you know from the beginning to the very end you know when you put in this work here's yep. your reward you know that's he's, that's really cool because yeah. the processing in my family was always a huge deal you yeah, know. We, it's a to us. It's a big party. I mean, we yeah. All all of our hunting camp gets together, and it's a we all do it in one day. So it's yep. it's a lot of fun. That's what we did too. Because my brother, he's got two boys. My nephews, Matthew and Benji, and uh, you know, my brother has gone hunting. He's he's killed elk. You know, I don't know if he's ever killed a deer, but he's not what I would call a hunter. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. that nicely. He's just he's got other interests. He usually mm-hmm. hunts with my dad because it's you know, one thing that they have in common, you know, they can go do, but those boys, man, when you call them up, I told them, we got a bear, we got to grind it up. We're making sausages and oh boy, were they elbow deep in it, man. And they loved it, (laughs) loved it. Cause that's like, I don't know. It's symbolic. It's that the harvest and everything up to that point is one thing, but Mm -hmm. the actual processing and they're watching everything in, in like a accelerated amount of time. It's like, that literal field to table thing. Yeah. And then, you know, you're frying it up right there. They run it through the grinder. I'd throw it on the skillet and, you know, fry up some sausage <laughs> and they're yeah. just uh, blah, 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 macking it down. And yeah. I, yeah. No, that's really cool to hear. As you, does your boy have a gravitation towards the dogs then more than anything? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. He, he loves the dogs and he loves being a part of that and helping me train them and getting them up and getting I ready. Uh, he's all about it. So when's he get to go to South Dakota? I've, I've been asking, and I was I was ready for him to go this year, which he's not, in my opinion, he's not big enough to tote a gun or anything. He's got a lot of work to get to that point to shooting a shotgun on a bird in the air. But I, I said, you know, do you want to go this year? He said, well, am I going to be able to kill anything? <laughs> uh, probably not this year. I said, you still got some work to do. He said, well, I don't want to go until I yeah, can kill waste <laughs> And it is a lot of walking. I mean, I think there's one day we walked almost 11 miles. So what and, what do you think the dogs put on that? I mean, they got to be doing well over uh, 20. I, I would have to look back because I would write that down in my Garmin. I kept track of it. So, but guaranteed 
they would do at least double of what I was doing. Yeah, for, for sure. Man, and so like as far as you said, you're cutting the the sloughs and the cattails and stuff like that. Because is it farmland at all you're hunting out there, or is it just some like of it. public? So, uh, some of it. Well, so up there they have uh, some state programs where uh, it is farmland and some of it's been harvested, but the landowners somehow they get some sort of monetary value yeah. out of it for letting Kick hunters come on. Letting hunters on. Yeah. So it's stuff like that. And there's some state land that's just public, you know, I, I hit up as much as I can and some waterfowl refuges. I go to you know places like that, but you know, here where I'm from, it's all, like I said, it's Bob white quail. You know, to a lot of quail hunters, Oklahoma is the holy holy land. They make that pilgrimage every year, but it's really yeah, a completely different part of the state and a completely different quail hunt than where I'm at. Like I, I've been choker hunting one time in Idaho, and I would say the quail hunting here is comparable to the choker hunting. I mean, it's rough. We're, it, it's hilly. Yeah. We don't have any mountains, but it's thick. It's it's it can be some pretty tough hunts here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not even flat ground. It's all uh, a timber timber management land so i mean and again just pictures i've seen or videos i've watched you know hunting out there in that like the harvested fields corn stubble and mm-hmm. what, how is that on dogs feet like i think hound dogs yeah we gotta have tough feet but holy cow yeah. to go through like that corn stubble yeah and, it, and i it's think frozen, it's pretty hard on them that's gotta be tough do you do yeah. anything or is it just natural hard feet I try to prep my dogs. Well, kind of like y'all, like I get them on the roads and I rode them quite a bit. Try to hard, you know, get their pads hardened up and kind of yeah. back in shape and condition. But that frozen ground is it is just different. I don't think there's anything that you can do to really prepare for that. So right. I do. I have some real cheap boots that I put on them. They're just a few bucks. Uh, that I use some duct tape and paper towels if I have to, or inner tube tire, you know, bicycle inner tubes. Uh, if running without pads for several days consecutive, it could be really hard on them. Oh, so you sure. definitely got to do that and, you know, get them back in after the hunt. You know, I try to get some water and wash off their pads, check them out, you know, make sure they're not cracking or going to be in bad shape for the next day. Cause you know, it, it's hard on them. And you're hunting it when you're gone for like a seven day trip. Are you hunting every day? Oh yeah, man. Dogs? Yeah, no days off. <laughs> and I hunt from, you know, from daylight to dark if I can. In South Dakota, you can only, you have to start hunting at 10 o'clock. They do that a little bit different. I'll give them the morning to kind of get going before they start yeah, getting try, chased around. <laughs> yeah, try to give them a little bit of a... Let them wake up. <laughs> yeah, kind of get their sign. Get, they have the upper hand on us. That makes yeah. sense. So are you going to be hunting... You quail through the winter then is that something oh yeah you just do all year once you get yeah. through deer season get get through deer season uh, and i'll start transitioning to bird hunting uh i'll be doing that until season closes in february i'll be going to new mexico here in a few weeks chasing scale quail uh, scale I try quail to, yeah i just try to get everywhere they're different kind of quail pretty similar because i don't even know what we have i think we got <laughs> california is where i live californian mountain quail yeah, I've got all those got... California quail before up there in Idaho. That was nice. Yeah, and they're pretty good sized. Uh-huh. Uh, these scale quail, you know, I've never gotten one in my hand. It's going to be my first trip uh, going to hunt them. But they are uh, they stay in coveys. They're kind of, they look like they have scales on their breast and off their feathers. And hmm. they're, the way I hear, and from what I've read, they kind of, they hunt kind of like a pheasant. They They prefer to run. The, yeah. A lot of people prefer Bob Whites because they're, you know, gentlemen Bob. They they will hold really good for bird for bird dogs a lot of the time. These oh, really? scale, yeah, scale quail, they'll definitely run from you. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I see a lot of quail here, but again, I'm not using a dog on them. We're using a pickup truck, you know, yeah. driving down the road or whatever. Yeah. But man, they are, if you're walking through the woods and you see them, they're pretty spooky as far as running you won't ever hear them bust hardly mm, really? but they'll they'll take off running pretty good yeah same with the the grouse sage grouse and whatever um and some roughs mm-hmm. but they're they're kind of the opposite they hold really well compared to our quail around here yeah mm-hmm. you just get a lot of hunter opportunity for somebody without a dog you you get quite a quite a bit of opportunity to hunt them yeah hey more fun with a dog, though. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, no, and that's what we keep saying is, you know, the hounds. I got a bunch that are getting older. You know, my yeah. first rounded dogs, and I'm sure there's a bird dog in our future at some point. You oh, know, my wife's you. had Vishlas in the past, and yeah, I had a a mutt, but you know, when he was a puppy, we were told he was part lab. So by God, we were out doing everything I could. And, you know, he retrieved a grouse for me at real young age. And I thought, man, we're set. And then it started looking not very lab at all. I don't think yeah. there was a bit of lab in him, you know, but. Oh yeah. That's I, that willow dog of mine. That's kind of how she is. She, man, one of the best pets you could ever ask for, but she just yep. doesn't have the, the hunt in her that I want to have. So it might be her last season with me, but she can continue on being a good pet. Yeah, that's what we did too. And he was great, Pat. I mean, yeah. he was my my buddy. But so when you're hunting like all these different species of bird, would you equivocate that to like if I were to take a dog and run a coon and a fox and a bear, or is bird scent kind of bird scent? Like, I'm assuming you still trash break your bird dogs, right, off a of deer and yeah and stuff like that. So when they smell a different kind of bird, do you think that it's something that triggers like, oh, this is okay because it's got feathers or is it like, oh, this is this is something different. Like this is a different type of bird that I'm used to hunting. Do they ever get hesitant? Uh, no, uh, kind of. I'd say that they, they just have that. They can smell something. They know something's there. So they'll even point at rabbits or anything like that. They can just hit that scent cone. They're going to point that mm. no matter what it is. But they will hunt each bird different. So, you know. Like they, they learn. Yeah. There's a definitely a, a transition. So like there's there's going to be times where if I've been hunting pheasant with my dogs and I come right home and I start hunting quail, odds are the first two coveys are probably going to bust because they're, yeah. they're used to that pheasant moving around on them. And just I get too gonna, close on them and, and bump yeah. them. Yeah, so they need to know as soon as they hit that scent cone, they need to be stopped and locked down. And they get there, you know, they kind of they figure that out on their own. There's no need for me to give them any type of electrical stimulation sure. or correction from that. And I figure it's going to be the same way with these scale quail. They're going to be uh, with them dog with them running from the dogs. They're going to have to figure out how to hunt them a little bit better, and I will too. Like I said, it's going to be a learning yeah. experience from from us both. But they can they definitely uh, just point at the scent cone that they hear. Hmm. That's interesting. I, you know, and that's why I like talking to bird dog guys. Cause yeah. some of it make, it makes a lot of sense, you know, like a hound, let's say you're going, you're taking your bear hounds, like these guys over in the, the Northeast or, or anywhere really. But I mean, you're running a bear dog and then you throw it on a bobcat and it's totally different. You know, yeah. it takes a couple to get them slowed down and focused mm -hmm. and realize you can't run this thing head up hundred miles an hour. You got to, put your nose down right do you think that if i you know when i do get my first you know my first coon dog that i'll definitely be able to transition him from coons to bobcats man i don't know if i'm the one to answer that because they are way different yeah um and i'm gonna get hate mail for what i'm gonna say probably <laughs> i that's, that's what makes it good yeah right no that's the nice thing about this podcast <laughs> we can pretty much say whatever we want and, you know, we're open to criticism, too. In fact, we yeah. just recorded a podcast yesterday uh, on scenting conditions and weather. And, uh, you know, it was basically came out of a statement that I had said and somebody had an answer for it. So that's the cool part. You know, then we can yeah. get them on a podcast. Shoot, yeah. But I would say, you know, historically, when I started, I was running. I don't want to call them a coon dog because they were blue ticks, but they were big game bred. Mm -hmm. And um, we had brought in some coon dog blood from Robbie and Lisa Brooks. I bought a bitch off of Psycho Sid, and he, she was uh, a granddaughter of Rush Creek Opie. And uh, I don't know, man. They the bobcats are different here probably than where you're at. I I equivocate our fox hunting more to like what you guys do for bobcat down there. Yeah, you know, we're rodent dogs. It's it's usually a pretty good race. Um fast and hard where a coon dog again i don't hunt in coon country but out here it took me three years to put a night championship on a dog oh, you wow. know because we don't have enough hunts or really many coon to speak of yeah but it seemed like it was always just boohooing they never moved a coon track nearly as fast as they would move anything else mm -hmm. even though i mean it leaves plenty of scent 
I just think coon dogs have a harder time until they learn either how to pick their head up and run to to run a bobcat effectively. Mm-hmm. I, again, personal opinion. Everybody can hate me. I'll get hate mail over that one. But <laughs> it's um, I think it comes down to to traits that have been passed on. There are certain dogs that know how to do it. Yeah. Um. You know, I definitely had some dogs that that knew when to pick their head up and run, and they could do that. But were they the most efficient? No. Yeah. You know, you put them in the snow, it's different. When you're grubbing out a cold track and, you know, the jump is short, that's one thing. But your cats down there are a different monster. I know a lot of guys that spend all their time just hunting Arkansas, Florida, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. You know, they they make the the loops because that is is some of the hardest hunting I think there is is Southwest Bobcats. Or, Mm -hmm. sorry. Southeast, Southeast Bobcats. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. interesting to hear. I've, I've never heard anyone's opinion about it because I've never known anyone to do it. Like always. Oh, man, there's a the bunch of one. guys down your way. I wish we could yeah. get some of them on here, but they pretty much, you know, they're hunters, man. They just, they just want to hunt. Um, yeah. Can't blame them. But not to say they wouldn't. You know, I think scent is scent. And if you don't have a dog that's been conditioned to run a specific scent, it's probably going to run whatever you put it on until it gets told no. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. think if uh, I think if you put them on them, like you'd trail them for sure. Yeah. Hey, what about the trees? I mean, are you in a spot where you think you tree one, or is it pretty much open ground? They're going to have to catch no. them. No, that's definitely going to be able to to be treed. But like I live in some timber management com- country, so it's there's no open open plains or anything like that where I'm at. Oklahoma kind of gets a. Everyone recognizes it as flat, you know, nothing, no trees. But where I'm at, it's, we're like at the tip of the right. uh, the southeast timber. So hmm. it's, per, it's pretty be interesting, man. Like, definitely, I'd give it a shot. Why not? You know, that'd yeah. be way oh, cool. Because exactly. there's no season on them down there, right? Uh, You know, I really got to look into that. I'm not really sure. Not on, on coons, for sure. You can kind of go all the time, I believe. I thought cats were, too, maybe. Yeah, I, I got to look into that. Because if. Like I said, I had never done it, but if I if I can get me a coon dog, and it also be kind of versatile to get on anything else, that's going to be a big bonus. Because oh, I've yeah. also been uh, something else that's kind of got my eyes: July hound dogs and getting on coyotes. I think that'd be awesome to have a race going on, start blasting some coyotes like that. That's be funny. Hard. Oh yeah, man, I I love that. I love hearing a good dog race. Used to, I'd go to my grandpa's house and he'd be sitting at his kitchen table and he'd have his his race recorded. He'd have a little receiver to record his dog race and he'd be like, "Hey, listen here, you know, old goose right here. He <laughs> he he's fixing to he's fixing to strike off. He's gonna be hot." You know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we all do it, man. That's that's the fun part of it. Yeah, it's the fun. races. I don't know, man. I think some of the coolest moments I've had is have other people with me that don't know anything about hound hunting at all. Yeah. And they'll look at you and say, what just happened? Something changed. You know, the bark's yep. changed. You know, somebody opened up versus running quiet. And they're like, "What? what's going on? And you can kind of explain it to them. And, well, how do you know that? Well, you just, that's time in the woods. It's time with the dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. there's... Uh, even, you know, people come over and, you know, dog starts getting mouthy out in the kennel or something. Hey, quiet. And say the dog's name. They're like, how do you know it's that dog? Mm-hmm. Well, you just do. Oh, yeah. You, you put in Man. time with him. It's like hearing your kid in a crowded room. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because he, he was able to do that. I think you really have to know know the type of stuff if you're in the trials and trying to get your, your dog into a championship. Um, mm-hmm. You got to know when they're co-trailing. And when they strike, and when they tree, you know, and all the bark change. When out to tree, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. it's different, you know. And I think where you're at, I mean, shoot, if you've got the opportunity, you're spending all your time out there anyway. Right. I would definitely give the bobcats a shot. I mean, yep. you never know what, until you try. And that's what I'm looking for in getting just a coon dog in general, just something to. I can help out all the uh, quail and turkey population and also keep myself out there in the woods yeah. throughout the year. I, that's man. That's, that's where my home well, is. That's where I it's prefer full to be. circle. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're helping the bird populations. You're keeping predator down. Yeah. You're having fun. You're building family memories. I mean, how can you go wrong? That's right. Man, that, to me, I can't go wrong. <laughs> so, so what kind of coon dog are you looking for? Are you wanting a blue tick? 
Oh, you know, if I could, no, I'm kind of open to it. If I could find a, a good looking blue tick, uh, around here, there's a lot of people that are, that you can see, you'll see a blue tick, but it's not going to be a coon dog. They've got it right. kind of bred out of them. Um, yeah. but I'm open to anything. Uh, my cousin, he runs tree and walkers. So any, any kind of meat dog I'm open to. So everybody listening, Branson needs That's a coon right. dog. Yeah. The Three rivers outdoors. Okay. Is my instagram tags will get out yeah, there you go. I'll, well, I'll, tra- I'll travel to find one so let we'll transition then because i think l- what we need to do is tell people where to find you in all seriousness so let's get your social media out there you got a web page too don't you yes i do yeah so what's the uh, website it is three rivers outdoors okay as well you know www.threeriversoutdoors okay and my instagram user is the same thing three rivers outdoors okay See, thank you for making that easy for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep some it of us are like five different aliases. Yeah, and uh, so you're not doing any training right now. No, no, all all work, no practice, just the game. There you go. So if we're if you're looking at doing this coon dog thing, are you looking for a pup? Or are you looking at getting something started? Um, I definitely, I'd want a pup. I think I want to be able to try my hand at training a hound dog in the same manner in which yeah. that I train my bird dogs. And I want to see what the result would be. Cause it's what different. You, well, yeah, definitely. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be? Uh, I think it's going to be trash breaking it. I yeah. think it's going to, that's going to be the hardest thing for me. Um, uh, cause you know, a hound dog being being free cast is going to be different. I'm going to be sitting out there waiting on him, whereas my bird dogs are working right there with me. You're with them. Yeah, but I think in my mind, if I can get a puppy to work for my affection, that I could I can get that dog to do anything whatsoever. I had yeah. a guy talk to me while I was in South Dakota. He was looking at my dogs. He's, you know, you probably have have to have a, a heavy hand training these dogs. I'm like. No, nah, you know, not not mm-hmm. me. You know, maybe some people that do. I, I don't use hardly any electrical stimulation when they're out there. They're all straight tone. I have introduced it. You know, you have to. To me, you have to have it. It's a necessity yeah. when you're out there. And you don't have a hand right on your dog. But now, you know, it's all tone, and there's sure. you know, no no treats. The reward is just coming home and laying up with me on the couch and getting loved on after they bring me a bird or something. And I, I really think I could do the same thing with a hound dog. Yeah. And we're going to have to follow that one. Yeah. Document it. Yeah. But there's guys that do. I mean, like we have Ross Elwanger and Jared Moss on all the time. They do both, you know, bird dogs and hounds. And yeah. Yeah. I follow I think, them a lot. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause you guys have a lot more hands on. I mean, I don't want to say hands on with the dogs, but with the, the entire hunt, you know, we're speculating a lot of what goes on when it's outside of our site where you guys mm-hmm. are so in tune and have a chance to just watch. Right. Yeah. I but I know really exactly cool. what, what my dog is thinking while I'm watching him out there in the field, you know, but in back in the day when we was running all the hound dogs, a lot of the training, if you want to call it that we done on them, it was before we even had electrical, you know, tracking collars or training collars. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of just it's kind of self-trained. You would always have yeah. an older veteran dog, and you just throw that pup out there with them and let them do their thing. Just let them go. So if I get in a pup, it's going to be without having a veteran dog. Maybe I need to get two. I don't know. I'm open. Yeah, to that. see, there you go. Just get two. <laughs> but it'll be it'll be a challenge, but I'm I'm open to it. I love I love having a dragon to slay. I, I got I have to have something I'm working on. Yeah, I have to. I'm a goal oriented person. I just. I need to have something to do while I during my free time. I'll get off work. I need to go outside and, and work my dogs. I need to I get them on that. something. Heck yeah! And when so when are you leaving for New Mexico? I'll probably you know it, that's going to be a, a spur of the moment trip. As soon as I can get a Friday off work, I'm going to head out on a Thursday night and take you know have a three day weekend. And there you go. First opportunity, I'll make that trip several times if I can, because where I can get into some scale quail is going to be about eight hours from me. So oh, nice. I figure that's I can, not horrible. No, I figure I can leave about four o'clock, get there around midnight, and I'll be prime ready to go in the morning. You, you truck camp when you go sleep yeah. in the truck. Yeah, that's yep. the only way to do it. Yep. Wasting time setting up camp. Yep. Yeah, I'll sleep right there in the truck. 
be ready to go. I'll, I'll probably even sleep in my clothes. I can just get outside and unload the dogs. <laughs> there you go. Well, also, are we going to see an article soon about that hunt? Yeah, you need to for sure. I know yeah. in your investor program, I've been slacking a lot. I've never, I have singular oh, focus during hunting season, and it's hunting season. Yeah. We get it. Everybody's yeah. been slacking. <laughs> yeah, I just that's the last thing that's on my mind to be honest. But I can't wait to get back started on it. Yeah, but that's I, good. I really enjoy it. To me, you know, hunting gets a bad rap from a lot of people. I feel like as hunters, we always have to justify our way of life to non-hunters. Where non-hunters, we never seek to understand the reasons why they do what they do. You know, that's, right. that's, that, that's their life and way. And, but I don't know, we just, we have to, we have to keep fighting for it. And the way to make it appealing to people is I can, I feel like I can write about it and, you know, like here's, here's my experiences from it. And here's what I'm gaining from it emotionally, physically, and, you know, and value mm-hmm. all, all the value from it. Really. It's cool to see so many people involved in that program. Like you said, it's hunting season, so everybody's doing their thing. But yeah, there's so many family people. I mean, you know, it's it's very well portrayed. The family is involved, and mm-hmm. you know, the sides. That, it's like when you're in an argument. I don't know how else to say it, but you're in an argument, and you got the the whiz banger just right here waiting to come out. Yeah, but it seems like with the antis. You know, or I shouldn't even say anti's people that haven't made a decision. They get bombarded with this false narrative to the point where you don't even get your opportunity to plead your case. It's like the jury's going to hear one side and that's enough. They've made their decision. Yeah. So like you guys that are doing the writing and and being a positive influence for this sport and our lifestyles and heritage, man, all we can do is flood them with information. That's right. You know, take it. We just talked about this on our podcast last night. I talked about this. I was in the Zoom room with Ron Fame of the Hunting Dog Podcast, and we talked for like three hours on wow. this topic. It was crazy. So it's a big deal. I mean, it we is. appreciate all of our ambassadors. You know, they're doing a great job of getting content out there um, and, and just showing what this is really like and at least soften people to uh, be open yeah. To hear yeah. what we're saying. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to convince people to hunt. Right. If you, don't want, if you don't want to be a part of it, hey, do your thing, but you don't need it's to. The, I want you to understand it. That's all. Yeah, it's, all it's not of a. It's not one of those if you're not for me, you're against me deals. Right. I don't care if you're for me or not. Just you don't have to make decisions about my lifestyle right. and my personal choices. Just mind your business. That's Go right. munch your granola. <laughs> I don't care what you do. Yeah. I mean, I'll support your right to do that till till the end of days. That's right. Same yeah, way I'm, I'm gonna protect you. mine. That's right. I'm. right I feel like as hunters, we're all right there together with that same mindset. Oh, for sure. Well, awesome, Branson. I appreciate you coming on, man. That was really fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've had a good time. We'll have to follow up. We want to hear about what do they call them? The scale scale quail? Scale quail. Yes, sir. I gotta find me a picture of one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good luck, man. We'll catch up when you get back. All right. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. All right. Thank you.